0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash/host. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> You Do Underground by Adriana Valencia Narrated by Persephone Rose Yes, it is a little hot down here, isn't it? I don't suppose that copy of Anna Karenina is doing you much good as a fan. Ah, it's for the smell, I see. Well, I'd call it more a fragrance, really. It is quite strong at the moment, I'll admit, but it's certainly overpowering the usual eau de urine and train exhaust. And at the very least, it's a wonderful conversation starter. At my age, it's nice to find someone willing to chat, even for a moment whilst waiting for the train. Even over something as... Unique as the new tube scent. If you were around for the last trials a few years ago, that was even less pleasant. Too abrasive. Very heavy-handed on the citrus and the jasmine. That's why I gave this new fragrance earthy notes. You could call it woodsy. I had to add in the sweet top notes when I realized that a truly musky scent wouldn't work somewhere like Charing Cross... You seem confused, but I'm not surprised you don't know. What I do is not what you'd find in a job advert. You see, this scent you're fanning with Tolstoy is my doing, and I'm quite looking forward to its reception tonight. The good with the bad. It's taken me decades to get it just right, without stinging the eyes. To mask the trademark tube, bouquet, amongst the other less obvious scents down here. Though it may not seem like it, what you're smelling now is indeed perfume. It's just... repurposed. I've brought what you'd usually find on the shelves of department stores down here to the tiled halls of London's underground. I once had the privilege of studying under one of the grandest perfumeries in Montmartre when I was a boy. I'd always had an acutely keen nose... My father had encouraged me to attend school in Paris, since I had taken such a firm interest. I studied all that I could with my newly kindled curiosity. Not for school books, but for chemistry's fashionable cousin. And I thought, what better place to pursue her than in Paris? The city of lights and all its treasures, even those treasures that the light dare not touch. My dear, would you mind telling me how long? Five minutes? Thank you. My eyesight is not what it used to be. I expected the trains to run a bit more frequently during rush hour, but what does an old man know about the working world these days? No. All I can speak to now is the subtle notes of lilac compared with lily of the valley. But my career has taught me much. More than what I would have dreamed when I was first starting out as a young man. So... "'Unskilled in detecting the nuances of life and death. "'And may I say, both smell so similar when it comes down to it, if you're paying attention. "'In these very tunnels here, no less, would you really like to know? "'I suppose while we wait, I should start at the beginning. "'It started in Paris around the turn of the century.' No one had anticipated when the first metro tunnels were built the biological effects of prolonged exposure to death's secret scent leaching through the tiles of the tunnel. And I'm not speaking of the commonly known odor of expiration, the one you encounter in funeral homes or crime scenes or the forgotten apartments of the elderly. I'm speaking of an insidious scent, exhumed from the Paris tunnels as engineers dug through the plague pits and catacomb passages of Paris' dark history. In my scent experiments, I came across this totally new phenomenon. It lurked just beneath the scent of decay, and yet it was tied to it inseparably. In scientific terms, daily exposure to particles of human decomposition in a relatively unventilated underground environment had presented a fascinating new problem. A raw psychological effect on humans. After all, memory and smell are the strongest allies. In some primal biological sense commuters began to react to the accidental exhumation of bodies past as they descended into the metro each day in short they began killing themselves in the effort for faster transportation progress exhumed history And so the death smell crept in, into our minds, through our noses, urging all of us to silently join the masses who had gone before us with such sinister frequency and ease. Death was such a common part of life once upon a time. As we moved into the future, it seemed we needed reminding. My reputation as an expert perfumer brought the agency to my doorstep. This covert organization had chosen me to develop an antidote for the hidden biological death smell. For you see, mass casualties could not stand in the way of progress. So in the hopes of combating the escalating body count that had begun with the first tunnels in Paris, I was tasked to engineer a very unique scent which would essentially counteract the suicidal biological response. The agency men were only too skilled at providing me a steady source of bodies for my tests. Between the collection of expired commuters, the nosy newspaper men who had dug too deep, I had constant access to the death smell with which to experiment. For in order to make an antidote to the problem at hand, I needed to understand the problem at hand. I could thank my agency's seamless cover-up methods for that. My project was extremely classified, however, which meant that though bodies were plentiful, test subjects were limited. Rodent testing could only provide so much data, which meant I was forced to use myself as the primary human subject. I began to know the smell of death intimately, and its effects were taking their toll on my body and my mind. Early efforts to extinguish the smell were not implemented in time, nor were they effective enough to help the public. I was privy to the reports. Dozens of commuters climbing down into the tracks, laying down in unison. A few of them were shoulder-to-shoulder at the time of decapitation, but these were nearly as common as you'd expect. You would be shocked at how creative humans can be when tasked with orchestrating their own demise... Though you may not be in a few moments. Are you feeling all right? You look a bit peaky. Here, take my arm. We'll step over here and perhaps there's a bit more breeze. That's it. Deep breaths. I think a few others have the same idea we do. Oops, there goes the first. That's it. Just a few more minutes to wait. Now, as I was saying, 60 years of testing fragrances to overpowering death itself was no easy task. Rose oil was too delicate on its own, frankincense much too aggressive. They needed a bit of sweet to counteract that saccharine tinge of decomposition. My portfolio had reached what I thought to be its pinnacle by the early 1990s, consisting of fragrances which targeted a range of death smell intensity and prolonged exposure levels. Up until this point, I was able to implement sporadically under the agency's skilled cover-up umbrella. But it was now time to really prove what my sense could do on a larger scale— to test what my toiling and thousands of hours alone with the rats and the bodies could do. How many of you could I save? I decided to send Francine out into the field. Francine consisted of lavender, mint, and eucalyptus oils. She was beautiful and delicate, and I was very proud of her. My first attempt after decades of trials. In the end, Francine was quickly abandoned after the media condemned her, decrying overwhelming commuter complaints, just like yours a few moments ago. But what they said was true. My fragrance was too herbaceous and soapy, too weak to really eradicate the secret scent of decay seeping through the tunnel walls. Though Francine quelled the urges for self-harm, she wasn't strong or agreeable enough to implement permanently. Francine's sister fragrance, Madeline, followed suit a few years later. I foolishly believed that lemon, orange, and citrus top notes would prove effective. But alas, Madeline was ultimately scrapped due to a new method of scent dispersion. She was to be added to the cleaning products across all 380 metro stations. Ammonia and citrus do not a pleasant fragrance make. Forty years of fragrance development, and my madeleine was compared to common toilet air fresheners. Once again, the public was dissatisfied, blissfully ignorant to the problem at hand, and my scent was ruthlessly abandoned. A few years ago, England reached out to the agency. The London Underground had developed a rapidly growing need for their own scent diversion project. Reports of a series of fatal, Accidents were surfacing among workers performing minor structural maintenance along the Piccadilly and Victoria Lines. Not surprisingly, these were also the tunnels along which London's most massive plague pits were discovered. And so I returned home to London to continue my work. The city went ahead quickly with a new death-scent diversion plan. The new method of planting microscopic envelopes of fragrance on the ground, a sort of pedestrian scratch-and-sniff, was ingenious, but the scent profile proposed was a veritable cesspool of every perfume on Earth. Floral, citrusy, woodsy, herbal, fruity, it was an assault on all the senses, believe me. If I had developed it, I would have spent much more time researching the fragrance profiles of each problem station. Woodsy musk with subtle notes of lilac and lily. That was the key. Now, at this point, my reputation and success were in decline. Though they had brought me in to champion this effort, they abruptly changed their decision, deciding on a fragrance from a different collaborator. But this fragrance... It was an abomination, combining floral profiles of jasmine and rose with citrus and lavender and amber. And those were just the top notes. It was as if my past failures had unleashed an unholy crusade to overpower death with sheer brute olfactory force. A patchwork of horror of every fragrance known to man sent to combat death. It's starting to fill up in here, isn't it? Ah, see there. A few more are starting to line up. Everyone will get a turn. They need not be so hasty. Here, keep hold of my arm. Let's make our way to the front. My dear, you have some splatter on your cheek. Just above your eyebrow. There, now you've got it. Was I let go by the agency? Let go... I suppose so, yes. But there are many meanings to the phrase, let go. I was an aging perfumer with little permanent field success. Britain and France alike were hunting for a younger nose, a fresher successor to my clandestine legacy. Indeed, I was let go. But I have had to let go as well. I don't have much longer on this earth... I can feel it, deep in the marrow of my mortal symmetry. Sickness has its own distinct smell, just like death. More than six decades of my life dedicated to commuters who sneezed and heaved and scoffed at my work with no inkling that I was their secret champion in the dark and the underground. I have to let this go. And now you must let go, too. Just as you have let go of the fact that you failed to notice the last three trains rolling over the bodies on the tracks. That this entire time we've been chatting together, your fellow commuters have been bashing their heads into the tiles around us. You see, everyone else has let this go, too. The death smell comes for me as it comes for all of you screaming for us in that silent way that bones do. Oh, now please, stay with me just a moment longer. I know it's difficult to resist the pull. Yes, I'm enjoying it much more, too. Finally, it's perfect. My first and last freelance fragrance, and I am so happy to be sharing it with you, with everyone Subtle and smoky and deep Like a forest of oaks Submerged in mist and low Like a fog-soaked breeze Rolling over the river Thames Notes of cedar and lily Folding into a base of musk Of dusty earth and plague And ancient rotting viscera But I've come to find That it's the cinnamon That triggers those fatalistic impulses By threefold It's that subtle sweetness, that mid-heart note, combined with the damp and the dead that seeps into your subconscious like tiny memory spores, inviting you to dance with the death smell in the bright fluorescent light. Just there, do you hear that? The slow, soft rumbling, building, gathering steam and momentum. The horns, like a low siren call. So soothing. And look, those oncoming lights. Do you see them? Red and flash white. So beautiful. They're urging us to come closer. Take my hand. Look, a few others are creeping forward too. They have the right idea. We've reached the edge now. Yes, that's it. Breathe in deeply. And please don't mind the gap. Everyone is waiting for us. One, two. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Other Stories. "Owed Underground" written by Adriana Valencia, narrated by Persephone Rose, edited by Carl Hughes, music by Tom Robson. It's competition time. We're giving away a signed copy of The Other Stories, Volume 2. It's a massive print edition of The Other Stories, collecting all of the stories from the second year of the podcast. Now, if you want to be with a chance to win, then you need to head over to www.hawkandcleaver.com forward slash competition and fill in your details there. So, if you'd like to consume your story content through the medium of the printed page, or you just fancy having something nice to sit on the shelf, then once again, that's hawkandcleaver.com forward slash competition.